Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. It is so good to be here with you guys this morning in Dover. Something that I love about restoration is that it doesn't matter what location I walk into any given day of the week, especially on Sunday morning, I feel like I'm home. And it's an amazing feeling. And on that note, I'd like to also welcome our other locations that are tuning in in Bethlehem, in Milton, in Plymouth. You heard me say Bethlehem, and you're like, hold on, I thought there were 14 more days. There are, but today is their first soft launch, which means that they're testing things out, they're probably tuning in, and they're getting ready for us to go there tonight. I am super excited, just as Pastor Rob said about worship night, I am ready to go right after service. Um, I made my choice not 10 seconds ago, I made it a few weeks ago. But I am so excited to be there um, with all of you guys and everyone from all the other locations as well. It is gonna be such a fun time. Um, This week, we are back in our series called Like Jesus. We jumped back into it last week. It is a series that we're going in and out of throughout the year, and we're studying different ways that we can take the examples that Jesus left for us while he was here on earth, and how we can live out those things in our life, how we can become more like Jesus. Um, And so today, we're actually gonna jump right into the scripture, and we're gonna be looking at a verse in Luke chapter 23 first. Um, And before we jump right into it, I do wanna give you a little bit of of some background. I kinda wanna set the stage for you, all right? So as we just mentioned in our announcements, in about two weeks, we're gonna be all together on a Sunday morning, and we're gonna be celebrating Easter. But before we get to that point, we also have to realize, understand, and believe the fact that in order for Jesus to resurrect, he had to first die and be crucified. And that's where we find Jesus in the scripture. So in this passage, Jesus had just been tortured, he had been beaten, he had been humiliated, and he had ultimately been crucified on the cross. All these things happened to him, and then the soldiers who had just put him up on that cross begin to cast lots, is what we're told in the Bible. Now, casting lots, if you're not familiar with that, it means that they were basically kind of throwing dice or almost are similar to flipping a coin to see, hey, if I get heads, I get to keep this piece of his clothing. That's what they were doing that day. And as they're doing that, the crowd that also gathered in in the, to watch the crucifixion, they began to mock Jesus as well. So these things are all happening. Jesus is on the cross. And what does Jesus say? Where do we find him in the midst of all of that? Well, that's what Luke 23, um, verse 34 tells us. It tells us, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And then it goes on to tell us that the soldiers gambled for his clothes. Wow. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus, in a moment of severe suffering, chose to pray to God and ask that the people who just did this to him would be forgiven. Am I understanding that correct? Yes, that's exactly what he did. I don't know about you, but when I read this, I feel like, man, did Jesus set the standard high for forgiveness? Now, what if I told you that this week, our topic is forgive like Jesus. Some of us in the room might begin getting a little bit intimidated. Hold on, forgive like Jesus, you just told me the standards that, kind of wait, what's going on? Um, 
Well, guess what? The topic is Forgive Like Jesus this week, um, and I'm gonna help you get there. <laughs> so, or at least I hope I do. Um, what does this mean for us? Does this mean that we have to experience severe suffering and pray for others to be forgiven in order for us to, to forgive like Jesus? Well, not exactly, see, a little bit, but when I think about forgiving like Jesus, I think about a teaching that he gave to his disciples while he was here on earth, and that was him telling us what it is to forgive like him. And so that's what we're gonna be looking at. It's in Matthew chapter 18, and we're gonna look directly into the scripture. Um, we find Peter asking in this very first verse, how often we should forgive. So Peter comes to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And then Jesus answers, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Okay, I think I get it now. So I don't have to severely suffer and pray for people to be forgiven, no. I can just forgive someone 77 times. And then that 78th time when they offend me, that's it, they're done for. Right, that's, that's what it's telling us, right? At, at that 77th time, no more forgiveness? No. See, Jesus gives Peter this very specific number here. When we look at the text and we're, we're studying the different things that are said in the original language, um, he gives us this very specific number to represent an unlimited amount of forgiveness. There is not a specific number of times we should forgive, no we should forgive in an unlimited manner. See, Peter was looking for the limit of forgiveness and Jesus was telling him that it's actually limitless. Now, Jesus furthers his point, which is the rest of the passage we're gonna look at, with a story or a parable. A parable is a fictional story and that's what he shares with Peter and the rest of the disciples to further emphasize this. So he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him, all right? In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. So this king is like, all right, I'm gonna get my debts paid to me, I need a good payday, I need some money, so let's figure out who owes me money. They do that, they find out one of these debtors owes him millions of dollars, all right. When we say millions of dollars nowadays, we think of figures like people, uh, Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, right? We think like, oh, well, he has billions of dollars. So what really, what is millions? Well, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a better measurement. If we look at this verse in the ESV, millions of dollars is correct, yes. But when we're looking at the ESVs, it tells us that he, owned he owed 10,000 talents. And I went a little bit deeper with that. 10,000 talents, what is that? Well, scripture tells us also that one, sorry, scripture also tells us that a talent, one single talent, was worth 20 years of working wages. So one talent, 20 years of work. Are you following me? 10,000 talents, 200,000 years of work. This man could work his entire life and he would never even be able to pay off his debt because he wouldn't be alive for 200,000 years to be able to pay off all of that. So what happens? Realizing this, realizing just how much he owes, what happens? He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the, the debt. But the man then, he falls down before his master and he begs him, please be patient with me 
and I will pay it all. This leads us to the first step of forgiving like Jesus. The first step of forgiving like Jesus is actually a pretty simple one, but for some, for some of us, it might be a little bit difficult. It's to experience God's forgiveness. We have to first experience God's forgiveness before we can forgive like Jesus. How are we going to do something like him if we don't know how it feels ourselves? See, in this story, we could very much equate ourselves to the debtor. We are the ones who owe the 10,000 talents. We are the ones who have a debt so great that no matter what we do in our life, we could never pay it off with our own work. That's our sin. No matter what we do, we would never be able to pay off our sin. But what happens? As most of us know, Jesus, he came and through his sacrifice, our debt is paid. Our king, God, made it so that our debt is paid. And what does this guy do? So this guy gets down on the ground, he's pleading to the king, and what does the king say? Well, the master, the king, he was filled with pity for him and he realized, or re released, sorry, he released him and forgave his debt. And in the same exact way, God forgives us. See, when we are burdened with our sins, when we're burdened with what's going on in our life, and when we come before God and we present that to him, when we humble ourselves in the same exact manner that the debtor did here, we realize that we could never pay off the 10,000 talents of our sin. And we ask God in that humble manner, just as the debtor did, for forgiveness, God is moved to pity. He has grace and he has mercy that he bestows upon us and he releases us. If we looked at the verse before this, the man, the debtor, he had simply asked for more time. Give me more time and I will pay it off. Be patient with me and I will pay it off. But the king knew just as much as he did that he was never gonna have enough time to pay it off. And so what does the, the king do? If we look at the verse after, he releases him and he forgives his debt. He lets him walk free. He walked into that room owing 200,000 years worth of work and he walks out owing Nothing, and God does the same exact thing for us here as well. So we first have to experience God's forgiveness. We have to be willing to get as humble as the debtor and ask God to forgive us. But that's not where Jesus' story ends. So let's continue, we pick back up on verse 28, and it says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. Now let's pause here again. A few thousand dollars, and this guy had just owed millions of dollars. A few thousand dollars, well, what does that look like in their time? Let me give you that measurement of time again, right? If we look at this verse again in the ESV, instead it tells us that he owed him a um, hundred denarii, there it is. So he tells us that he owed him a hundred denarii, and then when we look at it and we kind of see how much a denarii is worth, one denarius was worth one day's work one day's work of wages. So one, he owed him 100, that means 100 days. He owed him 100 days. What is 100 days compared to 200,000 years of work? That's practically nothing, right? That's such a small debt. But instead, this man seizes him, he begins to choke him, and he says, pay what you owe. So the man who couldn't pay this, he falls down on his knees, and he begs, for a little bit more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. That sounds pretty familiar, does it, doesn't it? And then what goes, what happens? Well, his creditor, he wouldn't wait. 
So he had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. This man who just walked away from a huge debt that he could never pay off, he walked away with his record being entirely clean, left that place, went and found someone who owed him some money, and what did he do? He did not give him the same forgiveness that he had just experienced. That same forgiveness that the king had bestowed into his life, he was not willing to give to his fellow servant. And what happens next? Well, some of the other servants who were around, they saw this, they heard of it, they got very upset. I'd be upset too. They went to the king who had just forgiven him and they told him everything that had happened. When the king heard all of this, he calls in the man he had forgiven and he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. And he goes on, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. See, Jesus tells us that that is what God, our, his heavenly father, our heavenly father will do if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from the heart. This leads me into the second step of forgiving like Jesus. See, the second step of forgiving like Jesus is realizing that the mercy and the grace that he shows is not for us to covet for ourselves, no. No, we're to share it in a never-ending abundance with those around us, even the ones who do us wrong. So not only do we have to humbly get to a point where we experience God's forgiveness in our life, but then we are to take what we experience and we are to begin sharing it with those around us. We're told by Paul in Ephesians chapter four, verses 31 to 32, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ forgave you. Paul had it, he hit it right on the head. Be kind to each other, be tender-hearted, be forgiving to one another. That is what we are to do. See, I believe that in the same way that we're told we're called to love our neighbors, in the same way we're told that that's the second greatest commandment, we should not only love our neighbors, but we should forgive our neighbors as well. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when it maybe doesn't make a whole lot of sense, we're called to that forgiveness. Because even when it's uncomfortable, and even when it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, God extends his forgiveness to us as well. Now, I wanna point one thing out in verse 35 of our, our text in Matthew 18. See, he tells us that the same thing that happened to that debtor who wasn't forgiving would happen to us. That's what God will do to us if we, forgive, if we refuse to forgive our brothers and sisters. But he doesn't stop there. Not only forgive, but forgive from your heart. Forgive from your heart. What does that mean? I don't know about you, but sometimes something will happen and someone will come up to you and hey, you know, I'm sorry that, um, sorry that I ate all those chips and I know that you know, they were there for you. I'm sorry that I ate those leftovers you brought from the restaurant. I, I know you put them in the, in the fridge and like you labeled it with your name and everything, but I got really hungry earlier and so I went and, and, I, and I ate those and you know, I'm really sorry. And you turn to this person and you're just like, yeah, it's, it's okay. 
I, I forgive you. But secretly on the inside, you're full of bitterness and rage. And you're like, what am I gonna eat now? And why did you take my leftovers? I'm going to forever crave those leftovers as if the restaurant isn't down the street and you can't just go there next week. And so you're filled with so much anger and bitterness because someone ate your leftovers. And I'm not talking from personal experience here. Maybe I am. Um, but, <laughs> but you get so angry and then the next time you go out to eat, you go out to eat, you get your leftovers, you bring them home, you put them in the fridge, you write your name again in giant letters, and you turn to that person, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your children, whoever it is, you turn to them and you say, you see that box? And they're like, yes. You say, that is mine. And they go, oh, okay. And you're like, don't you dare eat it. And they're like, why, why do you think I'm gonna eat it? I don't know, why, why are you doing this? And you're like, you ate it last time. I know you did. And they're like, well, I thought you forgave me. And you're like, well, yeah, I guess I forgave you. But don't eat it this time. Wait a minute. Forgiveness from the heart, when there's no bitterness or rage left over, true forgiveness, it does not hold on to what you've forgiven. When God forgives us, he doesn't hold on to it. We're told in scripture that he takes our sin and he casts it away as far as the east is from the west. That's like an infinite amount. He no longer holds on to that sin. He doesn't come back to us a year later and say, hey, remember that time that you stumbled? Hey, remember that time you did what you weren't supposed to do? No, that's not our God. He doesn't do that. Our God completely forgets the sin. He gives us a pardon. He gives us forgiveness that covers the debt. Just like that man had a debt forgiven, he walked out of that room free and we walk away in our lives free as well. We're also told by Paul in 1 Corinthians, I love this reminder, 1 Corinthians 13, five, the very end of the verse, it tells us that love, we're being told what love is, and it tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. If we're forgiving from our heart, if we're forgiving with love, then we are not keeping a record of what we've forgiven someone for. Man, that's powerful. You might be wondering, all right, but like, let's get, let's get real here. Let's get real. When someone does something wrong to me, when someone does something huge and wrong to me, they didn't just eat my food. Maybe they've, maybe they've lied to me in some great manner. Maybe they've, maybe they've killed. Maybe they've done something insane. Am I really supposed to extend this forgiveness? Am I really, because I'm filled with that bitterness. I'm filled with that rage. I want to make things right in my eyes. I wanna go out and seek that revenge. I wanna correct that wrong that they did, maybe even with another wrong. That's when I look at Proverbs. We look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 22. And what does it tell us to do? It says, don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. We need to trust God to take care of things. Forgiveness is not always easy. Forgiveness can be hard. And we're not supposed to do it on our own. See, the reason we have to experience first from God the, the, the forgiveness is so that we can take that and we can extend it to others. When we have that forgiveness from God, we're also filled with his spirit. And it's through his spirit and through God's power that we're able to extend that forgiveness to others even when it doesn't make any sense. Sometimes we forget that we serve a God who avenges on our behalf. 
And if you need a reminder, just go back and read the Old Testament. Look at all the times that the Israelites fell down and that they were being oppressed, that they were in captivity, and the amount of times that God reached down and he took them out of those situations. The amount of times that God reached out and he avenged the Israelites. And if he did it for them, can he not do it for us, church? Can he not do it for us? Of course he can. The same God who who helped them, the same God who freed them is the God who helps us and who frees us and who avenges on our behalf. It's not our job to get vengeance on this earth, no. Our job is to glorify God. It's to glorify God as we reflect the image of Jesus to those around us. We're to love our neighbors even when it doesn't make sense. We're to forgive them on an infinite level on an infinite level, an infinite level, we are to forgive. All right, I get it. Sometimes things are a little bit easier said than done and you might be sitting there thinking, okay, forgiveness, but you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what I've been through. And that's true, I don't. I don't know what's happened to you and I don't know what you've been through, but I still believe that God can forgive you for anything you've been through and he can help you extend forgiveness to anything and anyone that has done anything to you. And if we want a real story here, I had to look back and try to figure something out. I wanted to share something with you guys. And I found an example that I think is very real and very raw and and we're gonna close with it today. See, back in 2019, there was a man by the name of Botham Jean. Botham Jean, sorry, I said it wrong. Um, and he was a black man. He was in his home. He was eating ice cream, just living his life in his apartment. When all of a sudden, a woman walked into his police, or his, whoa, walked into his apartment. She was an off-duty police officer. She walks into his apartment And she thought, she mistook him. She thought that he was an intruder in her apartment because she thought she was walking into her apartment. Her apartment was on a different floor. And what happens? Well, it ends very tragically because she thought he was an intruder. She ended up shooting him and he died. He was murdered. So this woman went on to face sentences and, and possible imprisonment. And it didn't help because this was in 2019 and I don't know about you, but the climate of of things going on, it didn't help the fact that he was a black man and she was a white woman. So this happens and she's facing trial and his brother, his brother whose name is Brant Jean, had every right and the world believed he had every right to be angry at this woman, to advocate for a life sentence in prison, which is what she was facing for him to advocate for vengeance, for him to get that revenge on behalf of his brother. And while he's on the stand in the courtroom in the middle of this trial, what does he do? What does he do? He does something that shocked the world and that might even shock some of you today in this room. He asks to give his brother's murderer a hug. He gives her that hug and extending his forgiveness on her life and he tells her that he hopes she would turn to Jesus and find Jesus and find forgiveness within Jesus. Man, I don't know about you, 
He had every right to be angry. He had every right to advocate for something else and to try and get revenge. What he said on that stand could have decided her fate, but instead of walking out of that room with a life sentence, she walked out only facing 10 years. Wow. Wow, he gives her that hug. And he shared with some, with some different news stations, he shared that not only did he want her to experience the forgiveness that she needed, but he wanted to be freed from the burden of unforgiveness as well. He realized that if he walked around with this for the rest of his life, he would be burdened down by it that he wouldn't be able to live his life to the fullest. He wouldn't be able to serve God to the fullest. He wouldn't be able to walk his, whatever God had called him to do. And he was a believing Christian. And so he took that opportunity, no matter how hard, no matter how uncomfortable it might've been. And as I read through the story, I found out that it was hard. It was uncomfortable. He admits to only wanting to seek revenge before. But when he stopped and he started to inspect his heart, he started to figure out that it was forgiveness that he needed to extend, and that's what he did. And God calls us to do the same exact thing. So where are you today? Are you at step one or are you at step two? If you're at step one, you might be sitting here and you might be thinking, I have never fully experienced the forgiveness of God in my life. I have never humbled myself down before God. I've never even realized that I owe 200,000 years worth of debts that I'm never gonna be able to pay off. And maybe, just maybe, that's something you wanna do here today. That's the good news. Time's not up. And you have the opportunity to, to experience that forgiveness today. You have the opportunity to humbly come before God and ask him for forgiveness in your heart. And maybe some of us in that room have already done that. I know I've done it. And I know that I've experienced God's forgiveness. But maybe some of us are at step two. And we're thinking, I don't know if I've been fully if I've been fully reflecting God's forgiveness. I don't know if I have been giving others the same experience that I experienced, if I've been allowing others to walk in the same freedom that I walk in. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. Maybe as you've been listening to this, God has been stirring something within your spirit and he's been calling out that exact thing that you need to extend forgiveness to. Maybe you don't even know. And that's where I challenge you this morning to go to God. Go to God and ask him to point out if there is any place in your life where you need to extend the same forgiveness that you have experienced. Whether you're at step one or step two, the good news, church, is that it is possible to forgive like Jesus. And it's so simple. It's so simple. All we have to do is take that first step. No matter how hard, no matter how uncomfortable, and when we take that first step, God takes it with us and he is right there by our side through it all. Let's pray together. Father God, man, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you first forgave us. God, I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus that makes it so that we don't have to face the reality of 200,000 years worth of debts. God, you give us a clean slate. 
Lord, I pray that this morning, if there is anyone in this room, if there's anyone listening today, anyone in any of the locations who has yet to experience your perfect, beautiful forgiveness, Lord, would they experience it today? God, I pray that you help us to humble ourselves, not only to experience your forgiveness, but that you help us humble ourselves to forgive those around us as well. And Lord, that as we take the first step or the second step, God, that you would be there with us through it all, Lord, that you would be holding us up, that you would be reminding us of your perfect promises in scripture and the fact that you will avenge on our behalf, Lord. God, I thank you. I thank you so much for your perfect love and your mercy and your grace. And may you help us all experience it and extend it to those as we attempt to be like Jesus, Lord. And it's in your perfect and holy name that we pray, Jesus. Amen.